Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Necromaniacs. It's uh, once again, it's me and my co-host, Mike Scandato. How's it going, Mike? Going well, Mike. What's going on, everybody? As Mike said, you're listening to the Necromaniacs podcast coming at you every Thursday. Uh, I am doing good. It is March 1st when we uh, recorded this puppy. Uh, winter is, I, I think, coming to an end. But, uh, well, there's other things happening in the world, Mike Hill, to say the very least, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think you and I were talking about this at Cannibal Corpse last week, about how uh, nuclear annihilation is uh, not, no longer off the table like it was uh, maybe a few months ago, you know? And it's weird, you know, Mike and I are of a certain age and, 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 you know, I'm late, you know, late forties ish. And, um, we, we remember what it was like back in the eighties when, well, this was on the table then, um, in a different way, of course, than it is now. Um, and I really, I guess I, I thought in my head, I reached a point a, a while ago where I thought I would never even have to think about this again. Well, maybe that was premature of me, but look, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. You don't listen to this podcast for doom and gloom, but um, we would be remiss to not talk about what's going on. And of course we want to send all of our, our very best uh, and and our thoughts, our sincere thoughts to uh, the people of the Ukraine. And I'm also going to add to the people of Russia who wanted nothing to do with any of this. So I'm definitely going to add that. I, I would also like to agree with that statement because uh, it's apparent that uh, the populace of Russia are not supporting this guy. No, and, um, no. And it's completely, this is just, this, uh, just isn't how you do business in the 21st century. You know, like, mm. like fucking uh, Genghis Khan, you know, rolling across uh, Asia. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's, it's so strange. Like I, I, I again, I, I, I really thought I had reached a point in my adult life or in my life where this would have been something to just think about as of my childhood. Right. You know, but I guess we don't really live in that kind of world. I mean, I guess anything at any time is possible. And, uh, I mean, what can you do? Th- thankfully we're, we're doing this podcast in the safety of our homes and in an America that is, that is rather safe uh, for now, of course, knock on wood. Um, but, you know, I mean, you, you can't keep your head in the sand and you, you have to kind of be at least a little conscious of what's going on. And again, like I said, honestly, I, I would I honestly want the listeners to come to this show for an escape. Mike, um, what do you think? Absolutely. You know, but, but we, you know, we would be remiss in. uh we didn't say something about it you know what i mean yeah yeah totally totally and um yeah there it is folks i mean there are there are real life horrors and there are the horrors that we enjoy when we watch the films and um it's it's a very unfortunate sad situation that i i really hope can get resolved and and i actually mean that sincerely so yeah um aside from that mike hill uh we we went to uh, see Cannibal Corpse last week, which was a lot of fun in uh, Brooklyn, at Brooklyn Steel, huh? That was amazing, man. It was so much fun. And uh, Cannibal Corpse, they're just the kings of death metal, man, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, some may disagree, but I'm going to say that you might be wrong if you disagree. At least for American death metal, Cannibal Corpse are definitely the kings. 
I mean, they draw the most people, they sell the most records, they're the most recognizable. Um, you know, it's funny, someone asked me how that, uh, who's not a big death metal fan, somebody asked me how and why Cannibal Corpse? And I went, you know, that's a good question. I think you can bring it all the way back to Ace Ventura is, is probably a starting point, Mike. I, I was um, I was about to say that, you know, getting yeah, uh, that's getting... probably the starting point of where they kind of managed to spread their wings more than the average early 90s death metal band. They got tremendous exposure from that film. It's a huge film. It's still a huge film. It's a funny part of the movie. Um, I would gather quite a few young metalheads found that band from that movie. Mike and I already knew who they were. Of course, before that movie, I was already a fan. I'd already seen them. My old band had played a show with them by then. So I was I was on board and I was kind of happy to see it. But after that, honestly, I would also say was, you know, they lose Chris Barnes and they gain George Fisher, but they don't miss a beat. They churn out records every single year. They tour the world constantly. There are no breakups. There are no sellouts. But another milestone, they got a pretty big rub, I think, from the Death Clock cartoon. Mike, what do you think? I agree. Yeah, because I obviously uh, Death Clock, you know, is, is like kind of modeled after uh, Cannibal Corpse, you know, specifically in, uh, in a weird way. It's, at least the singer is kind of sort of like yeah, a George like, Fisher, right? Yeah, like he's like a corpse grinder kind of guy, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, and then that's another rub. I mean, again, they've also benefited from being on the very same record label their entire existence, who has promoted the shit out of them and believed in them. They, they've just they, they made the moves and had the blessings that I don't think other death metal bands in the early 90s did. Mike, that's 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 it. What do you think? Yeah. And also just the work ethic, too, man. The I work, think, the work. Yeah, yes. I think I think they're all, I would say they're kind of like the Iron Maiden of death metal. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? you know how like Iron Maiden are just like total professionals and are just have a vision you know, and they stick to this vision and they're always touring yeah, and yeah. they're always like, you know, they're always putting it together. And I think that's like, you know, writing great songs, you know, work ethic and professionalism. And I think that's, and then a couple, you know, obviously a couple, a couple of good breaks, but, sure. uh, but nothing, and, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, it, it's not like, oh, they're lucky. No, they're not lucky. They're, they, no, I would never use the word lucky. They lucked out. I would never say nah, that. No, no, no. They've definitely. had, I mean, they've had lineup changes. They had, you know, they had the one big singer change. Um, You know, they've had guitarist issues. The two mainstays being, you know, Alex Webster and Paul the drum, the same bassist and drummer since since the jump. But just, Um, you know, the bass player like like Iron Maiden, you know. Yeah, he's the Steve (laughs) Harris. Yeah, Alex Webster is definitely that guy. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of how I broke it down to the person who asked me that, you know, why Cannibal Corpse? Why are they so big and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, at least that's my take listeners you tell me what you think uh, if you're a cannibal corpse fan um but yeah the show was great i mean it was at a cool club the club is, is tremendous there was a shit ton of people there um mike and i were not big fans of the uh direct support Whitechapel. um <laughs> not not really our cup of tea but i i, I will say 
quite a few people were there for them. It almost seems. I mean, they they, they did great, right? I mean, you know. I, I would say that Whitechapel is probably the biggest band in that genre that they're in, the deathcore genre. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're they're probably like the top band in that in that world. Yeah, or like that, just that new era that is kind of hard to classify. Like it's it's kind of extreme, but it's not really extreme enough for me. And it mixes clean singing and, you know, it's just, it's got a lot of new metal attributes that that's, you know, these are the reasons I'm probably not that into it, but they're huge. I mean, actually I looked at their Facebook, they've got like over like a million likes and, you know, some people may not put a lot of faith into that, but believe me, in the music industry, having over a million followers is a big deal. Um, so yeah, they, a lot of people were there for them. And of course they're actually on the same record labels, Cannibal Corpse, Metal Blade. So well, I, actually know. the, yeah, I mean, Revocation too is also a Metal Blade. So uh-huh. Like, there uh, you go. I don't know anything about the first band. I've never heard of them before. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we missed them. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, but you know, it was great to see our, our, our friends there and, you know, a lot of familiar faces and it, it, it felt pretty like normal, right, Mike? I would say so, yeah. Now I didn't feel unusual. You know, I mean, I still have a little bit of anxiety. Not, I wouldn't even say it's anxiety. It's like when you haven't done something for a long time and suddenly you're doing it again. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you know, I mean, we we go to used to go to shows all the time, and now you know now I'm going. I will be going to a lot of shows. There's tons of stuff coming up. I got tickets to uh, yeah, Imm- Immolation. You know, Watain, Mayhem. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. This this weekend, dead guys playing out here in Jersey, going to that. Um, oh, nice! So yeah, you know, I'm going to get accustomed to being out again, which is good, you know. And and of course, we're going on tour this spring, so that's going to be great. And, yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, you know. So, but I'm still like a little. It's a little. Uh, I'm like, I guess, out of practice of going to shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I hear you. Looking to change that, though, you know. Yeah, totally. I I. I, I started going to shows uh, like almost immediately last April, May, and I, I've been to a few. Um, and uh, the, the interesting thing about this one was that I, I would say like 85 to 90 percent of the crowd was not wearing masks, which I think is actually a good thing at this point. Um, I, I feel like we're in a much better place with that. But of course, if you still want to wear a mask, go right ahead. Yeah, um, yeah totally. I, you know, I, I am over with that part of my life. Um I mean, I'm going to a show this week. I'm going to see Wayfair at, at St. Vitus. That should be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, man. With uh, Artificial Brain. Oh, nice. Cool yeah, show. those guys are sick. Yeah, yeah. That should be that should be a good time. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you listeners are out there, you know, checking out shows when you can, metal and hardcore, and, you know, trying to get a little more semblance of, of normalcy in your lives, which is good. And, and while you're doing that, of course, watching uh, great horror on, on television and in your Blu-ray players and on your streaming services. But uh, with that, what have you been checking anything out, Mike? What you, you know, I out? did. I saw a new show called severance. Okay. A- have you heard of it? It's on Apple and it's, uh, it's like a very weird, uh, more science fiction. Hmm. But it's got uh, Ben Stiller, like directed it. It's got that dude, Adam Scott, who, um, played in eastbound and down but he's playing like a dramatic role in this one okay yeah it's got christopher walken is in it oh wow 
and mm. uh, and Patricia Arquette. You know, you know what sucks? Apple is literally the only streaming service I don't have, and I, I'm not even joking. Um, so I would like to see it because I really liked two two years ago, three years ago. I saw that that news, uh, whatever the hell it's called, the one with the, the dude from the Office and Jennifer Aniston, and oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. That, that show one. was actually really good. The first season of that was really fucking good, and I know there's a second season. So I'm gonna have to find my way in, in, into getting um, a 430th uh, streaming service on my uh, television. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, that does sound interesting. Uh, in the O's, there was a, a UK horror movie called Severance. Do yeah, you remember that? Yep, I did. That was a good movie. Okay, I, someone recommended it to me online. Actually, it was uh, Brandon Legion was the one who told me about it, and uh, and I, I thought he was talking about the film, and I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that. But he's like, no, there's a new. <laughs> series and he's like i highly recommend it it's very dystopian you know future like kind of like tech technocracy kind of vibe you know where they're it's it's interesting it's like a philip k dick sort of story hmm that's cool yeah i may check that out like i said if i if i fucking get it uh apple but you know we will see um speaking of, of uh streaming stuff some some cool news today. Shutter Shutter dropped their their March schedule, and it's it's a bevy of Necromaniacs favorites. Mike Hill. Yeah, you shared some of that with me, man, and I'm really excited about um you know Trouble Every Day. That's like a, a very like a relatively obscure movie by Claire Denis. Yes, yes. Uh, hint, hint, listeners. Trouble Every Day. Um, but aside from Trouble Every Day, they they dropped uh, Inside and Martyrs. Nice. And a few, uh, I think there's like one or two other French Euro ones from that era that they dropped that I haven't even seen, actually. Uh, somebody was talking about some of them on the, the Horror Nerd uh, discussion uh, group in Facebook. So I want to check some of those out, too. But if you have not seen uh, a bunch of the, the French extreme films that we've talked about on the show or, or you haven't seen them in a long time, uh, Shutter just loaded up and grabbed nearly all of them. So uh, knock yourselves out. Uh, they even got Irreversible up there. So that's I'm I'm pretty stoked. That was an exciting time, man. Like in the late '90s, like early O's. Early O's, yeah. Oh, you know, totally. like totally. there was um, all these really cool films coming out from France. Like you know, I think you and I like were were really into those back then. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was exciting because it was like, oh, there's this like really extreme stuff coming out of Europe. It's uh. You know, France is making these movies. You know, Bel there's the one Belgian film, Calvaire, which was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, th there's one on there called Levide, uh, which, again, I have not heard of from uh, Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Mari. Uh, familiar familiar names. Um, it, we've got Inside on there. Like I said, we've got Martyrs. We've got Frontiers on there. That's a fucked up movie. Oh, yeah, um, man. Yep. Trouble Every Day. Uh, another movie unfamiliar with Bastards uh, sounds very interesting. A film by Claire Denis. Got to check that out, Mike. Um, yeah. So, Shutter. I know a lot of our listeners have Shutter, and they'll be checking out these movies. Uh, Want to get into the plugs real fast? Make sure you are listening every Friday to our buddies over at Break the Apocalypse Podcast. Uh, great fun show, comedy, politics, social stuff. Please check out Break the Apocalypse. And of course, our buddy Brandon Legion, Horror Wolf 666. What day does that come out, Mike? Tuesdays, I believe. Tuesdays, yes. So 
you've got a whole week to enjoy lots of fun stuff. And also on Fridays, Agitators Anonymous, a little plug for those guys. Um, Alan Averill from Primordial, got to check that out. And into the Necrosphere, folks, for all of your black metal needs. Right, Michael? Yeah, that that's uh, a great show. I, I really enjoy that one. Uh, you know, that, that one comes out on Tuesday. I think, actually, I got the days fucked up. Jackie oh. comes out on Tuesday. Brandon comes out uh -huh. on Monday, Monday. Excellent. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Very good. Lots of great stuff to listen to, aside from, of course, Necromaniacs podcast, which you should be. You should have as your top priority, right, Mike? I agree. I put that as number one, man. Oh, first, yes. First of thing. Course. First thing in the morning, every Thursday, rock this <laughs> podcast. And I'm going to plug Mike Hill's Everything Went Black podcast because Mike forgets to plug that. You know, I, 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 should, I should be better at that, actually. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. You should. You definitely should. But uh, tonight, listeners, we're going back to New Jersey, right, Mike? That's right. Or I'm, I'm staying in New Jersey. And uh... Mike is staying in New Jersey. The show is going back to New Jersey uh, with what I think is probably one of the best of the American Jolly. And, of course, I'm talking about the 1976 film Alice, Sweet Alice, directed by Alfred Soul. Um film was originally titled Communion, and it was shot under the name Communion. And of course, if you're a fan of Necromaniacs podcasts or movies that we cover, you know that that happens a lot. Uh, the movies get shot with different names, then they come out with the name, and then probably somewhere along the way it gets yet another name or two. But this movie had one name, Communion, and we all know it basically as Alice Sweet Alice. Uh, it stars Linda Miller, Paula Shepard, and the film debut, a very young Brooke Shields. Uh, set in 1961, New Jersey, the film focuses on a troubled adolescent girl who becomes a suspect in the brutal murder of her younger sister during her first communion in a church, as well as a series of unsolved stabbings that follow. Listeners, a little interesting note about the cast. Uh, Linda Miller, who plays the mother is none other than the daughter of Jackie Gleason of the Honeymooners fan. How about that? Also, her husband is none other than Jason Miller from the freaking Exorcist. Father Damien. Father Damien, yes. And their son <laughs> is none other than actor Jason Patrick from the Lost Boys. How cool is that, Mike? That's pretty awesome, and and I have to say that Father Damien is like, it, it almost he almost makes being a Catholic priest cool. But yeah, a lot of people were unaware of that actually, and I feel like that's like something like only like the real kind of movie nerds would know, or people you know really paying attention to the cast. I mean, I guess this movie is really more about the children than the adults, but although she features you know quite heavily in the movie, the mother, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's uh, she's like one of one of the key parts of the film, really, mm -hmm. you know, of course, uh, this movie. It's funny. Mike and I were talking about this before we started rolling. It's a movie that if you just blindly put on with with none of these facts about it being shot in, in New Jersey and that it's an American film that you might have thought it was either italian or, or european film of the giallo era that's what me and mike have come to that conclusion 
because it just has this this the look and and the way the, the actors kind of look and just the, the the general vibe of this movie to me is is european mike well yeah i mean even they even look like italian actors mm-hmm. you know um you know linda miller looks like you know the italian actress in a giallo yeah movie. yeah you know? well she's italian american for sure but uh, no totally totally uh, but no, listeners, it is 100% American, 100% New Jersey. Um, and director Alfred Soul had, had says, you know, has said many times over the years that he had no uh, Italian or European inspirations when making this film. His main inspirations were the, the films of Alfred Hitchcock and the film Don't Look Now, which is a movie I've always wanted us to actually cover on the show, Mike. Yeah, you know, I would, I'd be down for that. I think that's on Shudder, too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a Donald, Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie film uh, from the early 70s. It, it, it's a creeper. It, it, it's, it's a cool movie, actually. Uh, and I could see how, it, you know, it, it definitely inspired a lot of films that came after it in the genre. But another reason... I, this gets put, you know, into the kind of the, the American Jallo tag line has to do with the, the killer and the killings itself. Um, it's it's definitely quite the whodunit. Uh, it involves a, a masked killer, not not necessarily a gloved killer, but there's a, quite a few red herrings, um, fairly decent sized body count. And again, it has that vibe. It has the vibe of, of some of the other films we've covered on the show, you know, I mean, maybe not completely in line with, say, you know, Body Double or Cruising or, you know, uh, Dress to Kill, but I think it belongs in that family, Mike. Yeah, for sure, man. And it also has these, like, kind of disturbing, like, offbeat characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm, return, I'm referring to the landlord. Uh huh, uh, yes. Mr. Alfonso. Mr. Alfonso, <laughs> listeners, if you see this movie for the first time, you, you're probably never going to forget this character. He is this tremendous man who lives in the same building as, as Alice and her family. Um, you know, this kind of like seven family, you know, mini apartment building kind of house. Um, and he's a creeper. He's, he's, a, he's a bit of a pedo, but he's like a, he's like the size of like. A, a truck basically yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a very large man yeah um and he has all these cats in his apartment and he's like his clothes are dirty but the 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 really weird thing is mike he's very well spoken and smart well i wanted right? to, i wanted to mention that too because like alfonso de noble the guy who plays mm-hmm. mr alfonso apparently he was like a stage actor ah uh, not a surprise yeah so not he, a surprise he's he's like you know very well spoken and he's an actor you know he's a stage actor so that that that's why i think he comes off like that you know yeah it's it's funny like despite the fact that he's playing this this kind of dastardly dark character his his acting chops like totally kind of shine through and i could totally see that the guy was a damn stage actor now that you're saying it yeah (laughs) so this movie actually it's uh, a little bit on the long side too it's 108 minutes Mm mm-hmm and uh, the budget was three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Now I know um, this is nineteen seventy six, you know, money, but mm-hmm. that does seem a little light, though, doesn't it? 
it does seem a little light. I mean, but here's the thing. I would say, I mean, a lot of it was shot, you know, I mean, it's not like they, they, they traveled many places to shoot this movie. Um, I, I could see how that money was, was stretched to be maybe just about enough, but I guess I see your point. I mean, there's, the, the, you know, the practical special effects and they, they basically kind of travel all over different parts of Jersey to shoot this movie. I don't think there's anything in New York City, though. Apparently, a lot of the cast and crew were all New York City people, uh, it says on the, the Wikipedia page. Um, cool side note is I have the uh, the Arrow uh, Deluxe Blu-ray of this. And uh, one of the cool features uh, on it is they, they show you all the locations in Jersey. Oh, wow. You get a, you cool. get a tour of their shooting locations with uh, the guy, Michael Gingold, who used to work for Fangoria. Um a lot of places kind of still stand. Uh, the actual house still stands where they, you know, they they shot the the interiors elsewhere, but the exterior house, like the house where the family lives, is still there. But a lot of the places are gone, like the church is gone and things like that. But uh, there's a lot of cool scenery that is exactly the same. That's why I like getting these Blu-rays, folks. You get to see all this cool shit. Um, and it also comes with a really cool booklet in, in like the first batch, where they kind of talk about the kind of you know, a little bit about the Giallo thing. And uh, it also kind of talks about how this movie is, is a bit kind of hard to place. Uh, and I just, I just want to read a little bit that this guy, Michael Blythe said, it says Alice, sweet Alice, 1976 film is a hard film to place. Some claim it to be a formative slasher predating John Carpenter's genre defining Halloween in 1978 by a few years. It shares more in common though, with Giallo tradition, which dominated Italian cinema in the 70s. A case could also be made that Alfred Soule's religious shocker with its symbolic relation between devout Catholicism and brutal violence sits more comfortably alongside the holy horrors of The Exorcist in 1973 and The Omen in 1976. And then meanwhile, there are those who view the film's allegorical psychodrama as a macabre meditation on familial grief reminiscent of Don't Look Now, 1973. The truth is, Alice, sweet Alice is all of these things and more. Mysterious and elusive as the titular Moppet herself, Soul's film is almost impossible to pin down, a fact that makes it so endlessly fascinating and in its own perverse way, so bracingly singular. What do you think about that? I agree with most of that. I, I do not put this in like uh, the, the same classification as like the Omen or the Exorcist because there's no, there's no Satan. You know, there's no supernatural right. element to this but right I, the all the catholic iconography is it's its own thing it doesn't necessarily make it part of like that whole trip with like the omen and all that you know i think i'm surprised that a guy like once again i'm surprised this is not an italian film because that that's <laughs> such like an italian american experience you know the roman catholic church well yeah it draws on i mean look i almost feel like if something is made in the 70s and it's made in New York, New Jersey, whatever, and there's a big religious Catholic bent to it, you can't take, you know, Italians out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> That's like true. there, yeah. like, you know, um, it's kind of in the DNA. But, yeah, I do like the fact that this movie, it, it kind of rolls up a, a lot of different things. I mean, yes, it's sure it's a slasher. 
And it is, interestingly enough, several years before Halloween. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Um, for sure, yeah. And it's made literally right around the same time, right after Black Christmas. Um, But again, I just think, look, a lot of these directors who are coincidentally, uh, the the American ones in particular, coincidentally get the the Jalo thing thrown around. I think 98% of the time, yes, it is just coincidentally like that. Mainly because these guys didn't see these movies yet. These movies were not really happening in America just yet. Um, there, there were no VHS copies of, you know, in, in the 70s of these movies. The only way you could have seen some of these movies were maybe the Bava and maybe the Argento ones in major cities for a brief moment. And maybe not, because not all those movies made it over, you know. Um, but I just think it was something in, in the air and in the dna of the 70s if you were making a thriller it just i don't know i just think it's not so much that hey let's copy the italians i just think it's no we're all kind of of the same ilk we're all inspired by hitchcock actually you know we're all inspired by you know darkness and dark shit and the shit of the 70s what do you think yeah, that's a good point that you made. I it, it is kind of like um, you know, this like a coincidence really. But I, I would never mm-hmm. have thought that. I would have like I said, mm-hmm. when I when I rewatched this movie, I was sitting there and I'm like, man, you know something? Like if, if I didn't know anything about this film, I would assume this was dubbed, you know, this was like, like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I was watching no, like an, a it film. Has that, ma- it has that vibe. It yeah, really does. made in it Italy does. with dubbed English or something because everyone looked Italian, the whole, the film, the way it looked. You know, the actors, like even the guy who plays Dom, the guy's not, his name is Niles McMaster, but he looks <laughs> like a guy you. from, from like these Italian Giallo films. He has like that European Italo like vibe, you know, the most Argento moment of the movie to me is the scene where the, the aunt almost gets killed. Yeah. Where she's screaming. The blood is all over the place. It's pouring raining out. And there's that blood on the sidewalk and on the steps. And she's screaming like a banshee. It almost reminds me of the fucking scene in Tenebrae at the end. Sure. There with, with the, 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 the arm. Uh, well, not at the end. I forget what point. Um, You know what I'm talking about? Where the, yeah, the yeah. girl gets her sure. arm cut off. Right, right. But again, I mean, this is 76. That's 1982. But those, you know, the. It's there, like it's there, whether it's accidental or not. It's I feel like it's there, and it's just very interesting to notice it. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the plot elements in the story. Sure. I mean, and and, um, so you know, we mentioned that Brooke Shields. This is like her film debut, but Mm -hmm. she's she's only in for for like the beginning of the film. About twenty minutes, fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we have we have a family, uh, you know, Catherine played by Linda Miller, and um, Mm -hmm. her, her. they're in the middle of a separation with her husband and there's two, mm-hmm. there's two daughters. There's Alice. I mean, who obviously, you know, the, the namesake of the title. Yep. And, Paul uh, Shepherd. and, and Karen, which is played by, by, um, Brooke Shields. Shields. Yeah. It opens up. There's the, her communion and she's fucking murdered at her communion. Yeah. In, Wild. A, in this, the murderer is wearing a, a yellow raincoat and this like really creepy mask. The same raincoat that Alice wears all the time, mind you. Yeah, uh, her, her younger sister. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, you know, there's that, uh, you know, they lead you down this path thinking that, uh, that Alice is, is the murderer. And, um, yes, you know, she is a bit of, um, a handful, shall we say? Yeah. Now, honestly, look, when I first saw this movie, I forget how long ago I I rewatched it this week. A part of me was like, oh yeah, this girl's the killer. You know, (laughs) Um, I was like, it's, it's highly possible. This girl murdered her sister. She's kind of witchy, as they say. She's kind of she's kind of nasty. She's a bit of a bully to her sister. She's a little weird. She keeps weird stuff in the basement and like insects in a jar. She's a little off, Alice, Mike. Right? She's uh, precocious. She's precocious. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, she was in the actual church getting the communion at the time of the murder. So, you know, while there is someone walking around looking like her, so to speak, doing the killings, you kind of realize that, no, she, it can't be her. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like you, or at least she didn't kill her sister at the very least. At the right. Beginning yeah. Scene. yeah. Um, she wasn't in the same room. So there's that. Um, but yeah, very disturbing scene. Um, you know, the, mo- the whole movie itself is a bit disturbing. And, it, it's funny that there are the depictions of, of course, Roman Catholicism, but also at, at the core of this movie has to do with, I think, you know, the child neglect, number two, and the disintegration of the American nuclear family. Because yeah, this, is the, this is 1961, this is happening, mind you. Her parents are getting a divorce. Which is like un, unheard of back then. Unheard it was of. super rare, very rare, especially in like Patterson, New Jersey, in a Catholic town or whatever. Very, very not cool, Mike. <laughs> Let's just say not and, cool. And that that comes back, and there's there's a scene which we'll, I want to talk about when we discover who the actual killer is, and the whole yes. the whole motivation of uh, of this uh, you know out, outburst of murder. And, uh, you know, mayhem has to do with morality and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, so look, the, the, the death of, uh, of the daughter, Karen, um, Brooke Shields, shakes the family and fucks the family up. And the, the family's very tight knit. Aside from uh, there's, you know, the mother played by Linda Miller. There's her, her husband, you know, on, on the outs. Then there is a, a sister. Uh, her sister Annie, uh, played by Jane Lowry, and then her husband, uh, and then we have a priest who figures very heavy in the film. Mike, um, what is his name? I'm trying to find his name. Oh, Father Tom. Yeah, Father Rudolph Tom. Willrich. Yes, he looks familiar actually for some for some reason to me. But that's the thing. Like you, you kind of see like the, the ripple effect of, of what has taken place after the murder and how it affects everybody. And even the creepy neighbor downstairs that, that we mentioned says a weird thing about de- the death, right? About, you know, you, you go into the ground or like, he just, he says something very strange about the death of a fucking 10 year old girl. Yeah. And, and, and it, he, he even says something to the effect of like, it's too bad that, that Alice, you weren't the one that died or you know, yes. something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, he hates Alice, right. Because yeah. Alice kind of is abusive to this guy. Yeah, Alice, Alice tortures him. He calls him fatty all the time. I mean, it's I almost, I laughed out loud 
when she hands him the cake and goes, here you go, fatty. I was dying. I was fucking dying in my apartment when she did that. Now, the one character <laughs> we have not mentioned yet is mm-hmm. Mrs. Tredoni. Oh, yes. And she's, you know, a pivotal part of this, uh, this saga that we're talking about tonight. Yes, she uh, works with the priest, correct? Father Tom, yes. She uh, basically takes care of him, does his cleaning and cooking and all that kind of stuff and and lives there in the rectory with him. Right. She's a very, uh, let's just say, traditionalist, old school Catholic. And Mrs. Tridani is kind of taking all this in, this divorce, this murder. You got the, the pervert guy downstairs. And let's just say she's watching... Very uh, closely, not not into it, Mike. She's not into any of all this that's happening. Judging, and, uh, observing, yeah. judging, judging, and observing. Yes. yes. Now, let me ask you a question: How old was Alice supposed to be in this film? Let's see, twelve, because Karen is nine. Okay. Alice is twelve. Yeah, and Brooke Shields' characters are like nine. Mm-hmm. Now, pretty young. Yes, very young. What's real creepy and uncomfortable about this movie is there's, in a way, they kind of sexualize her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and that's kind of like a thing from the 70s, you know? Well, it's funny you say that because, okay, Brooke Shields shoots this movie. She's, I believe, 10, okay? Uh, and this is her first movie. Her, the second movie she makes, she's freaking nude in it at 12. Yes, that's a pretty baby, I believe. Yes. Now, from what I understand, her mom or dad, like both her parents, whatever, they were all there and yada, yada, yada. And things were done to prevent any kind of whatever. But that doesn't change the fact that she's 12 and naked in a movie, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, that that's that's definitely. If I had children, if I had a, like a, you know a daughter, I, I don't think I would be down with that having her nude no. in a film. You know, but if there's one thing we know, listeners, is that in the seventies, as we've said before, it was the Wild West out there. And, and I just want to. I also yeah. want to mention that 1976, the little girl who lives down the lane, which we covered a little while ago, yeah, also mm-hmm. came out, and we had a Jodie Foster, you know, being sexually hassled in that movie yep. too you know? yeah yeah and a fake nude scene from her it was it was it, it was an adult woman's body <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was very strange, the strangest nude scene ever was that, that was like that was funny because yeah. like that nude scene didn't even need to be in the film really but no they just figured didn't. they grabbed some like stripper to like be the body double <laughs> that, that's kind of what you look like though or some you know some it was yeah it was a fully grown woman <laughs> body like you said weird um, and like the back, like the back portion, like you see like this, this big back and it's like, that's, that's not Jodie Foster. It's like, what is that? Um, <laughs> but anyway, this movie, uh, of note, you know, there, there is no nudity in the film, but I will agree with you, Mike, that there is a, a bit of a sexualization going on of the characters and, um, you know, eh, it, it's unfortunate, but I mean, I, I've all but given up as trying to figure out some aspects of the seventies at this point. I mean, you know, I, it's just, these things were just done until until they couldn't be done in the eighties, right? Yeah, you know, and you know the, the character of Mister Alfonso, like he, you know, there's a moment where you think he's going to actually molest her, you know? Yeah, yeah, it gets dangerously close, and then, oh boy, um, 
Uh, Alice picks up one of his kittens and grabs it by the neck and slams it to the floor, killing it. We don't see that, thankfully, but we do see her grabbing, which for God's sake, I hope was a fake kitten um, and throwing it to the ground. We don't see it hit the ground, but he screams out, you killed her or whatever. You know, that, that was that was quite a little moment in the movie. Very, very 70s moment. Yeah, animal cruelty is definitely another big '70s <laughs> but thing. No, I don't think it was. I'm almost certain it was a fake because there's there's never been any, never been any word on the street about uh, any animals dying in this movie. So hopefully, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not cannibal holocaust just yet. Um, <laughs> you know, goodness gracious. But the thing is, this um, other murders start happening, uh, or attempted murders start happening. Um, and again, as you're viewing them happen, you see what what now here's the here's something that kind of trips you up a little, trip me up. You kind of see what looks to be a little person doing it, or are you thinking it's a smaller person doing it? You know what I mean? Well that that's like, that's where that's that's where I get tripped up too, because um you know it, it you're that it's consistent with the size of Alice. Yes. Yes, um, we see this, you know, rain-coated, masked, knife-wielding uh, figure uh, go after the aunt, uh, Aunt Annie, and, you know, stabs her up in the hallway after, you know, this is after the death of the sister and, and you know, a little, a little bit of time has passed. I feel like it's almost the same week, actually. Um, the aunt survives, but the aunt is insistent that it was Alice, Right. Yes, and that's because of where, the raincoat yep. and and you know, but again we we come to find that no Alice at that moment was downstairs hiding right in in like the basement of the building or something, right? Like she wasn't she wasn't there, and um, they start to think Alice is is potentially a murderer, but really they also think she's just kind of nuts, right? They they, they bring her to a hospital and. You know, they realize something is off with her and, and you know, there's all this shit going on with, between the parents and, and then the priest. And um, it's just, you know, things start happening, you know, ramping up rather quickly. They sent Alice to, you know, a psychiatric institution for evaluation. Um, also, uh, Mr. Alfonso, uh, a, a little later in the film, meets his own fate. Um, the thing is this. As you're watching it, you think, hey, maybe Alice is doing this. I mean, because like you said, it is kind of consistent with her her form, right? Yeah, and then there's a you kind of think, well, maybe there's two people doing the murders or something like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um the thing is, uh the the dominant guy, uh what do you call it? The the, 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 the the, the dad, basically, right? Isn't that her father? Yeah, there's the uh, ex-husband of uh, you know, of Catherine. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he kind of gets lured out uh, via a phone call uh, to this abandoned building, <laughs> and <laughs> he gets oh man, this scene also kind of again very Argento-y, no? Like his murder, right? Well, let me before we say anything about that. Do would you meet someone out at some abandoned building to fucking if someone called you up and they're like, "Hey, meet me down at this." Vacant, no, vacant right at lot. the funeral, like at the funeral of a little girl. 
uh, he gets a weird phone call. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would, you know, I don't think I would do so, that. The next, time, weird the, the next time we go to a show, I'm going to have you meet me at a vacant lot somewhere at like at midnight, and then we'll go to the show. <laughs> yeah, he gets a phone call claiming to be Annie's daughter, Angela. Annie being the aunt who is now in the hospital from getting knifed up, um, saying that she has Karen's crucifix. Karen, of course, Brooke Shields, who was also now dead. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a stretch, you know, um, to do that. And, you know, spoiler alert, this movie is, you know, 800 years old. We're going to kind of get into the, uh, the killer on this time around, folks, although lately we have not been. I feel like we have to for this one. Um, you know, the, the 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 killer starts stabbing him and tying him up, and you're thinking to yourself, "No, can't can't be Alice. Uh, Alice is in a mental hospital right now. This is not this is not Alice doing this. Alice would not be able to tie up and, and knife her father. You know, her her father yeah. too. Um, we learn that the killer is in fact uh, Mrs. Tridani. Uh, who works at the rectory with the priest, uh, played by actress Mildred Clinton. Um, she is basically disgusted by this whole Spages family. She's disgusted by their, their you know, the divorce and the, the, the daughters and all the fucked up shit she sees around her. And she's basically decided to take it out on this poor fucking family. Uh, she ends up tying up the father, knifing him up and throwing him from this, you know, building. Pretty fucked up scene. It's definitely an Argento killing, for sure. Yeah, oh, and before she does it, she does in fact take the necklace that belonged to little uh, Brooke Shields and shoves it into the guy's mouth. Again, very, very Italian. <laughs> it's like, it's almost, that the revealing of her is almost like a Scooby-Doo kind of like uh, moment, really. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like it's it's Miss Fredoni, you know Tridoni. It's like, Mrs. Tridoni. Yeah, Mrs. Tridoni. An yeah. unlikely. I have to say, a vet, look, kind of an unlikely person to do this, but I guess not really. Uh, she is filled with religious fervor, not unlike the character in uh, what do you call it? Uh, our, our favorite uh, movie TV show of last year. What's her name? The the crazy lady who worked at the. At the church. Oh yeah, you know yeah, yeah. From uh, from Black Mass. Yes, from Black yeah. Mass. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely in line with her, right? Now, one one um, other aspect about Miss Tridoni is that her own daughter died on her first communion. Mm, yes. So, more connections with psychosis and the uh, decline of the family. Like she lost her daughter, and my uh -huh. my feeling is like that. She never recovered from that. No. You know, and she she just like submerged herself in religion. You know, obviously she works at the rectory with uh, you know, Father Tom. And mm -hmm. all of the, you know, the Catholic rhetoric of uh, you know, morality and, you know, like divorce is a taboo and this and that. Mm -hmm. and, and and when she's killing Dom, she even is saying something about, you know, you and your whores or something like that. I your believe, whore wife. Or your whatever whore you wife, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> so there you go. It's like, you know, this lady's off the deep end from lo losing her kid, you know, like she's like, I'm going to kill your daughter because my daughter died on, on her first communion. 
you know, you deserve this. It's the sins of, you know, the, the parents that, you know, get right, married. right, right, right. So it's like this real like Old Testament style shit that's going on. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, Father Tom tells Catherine that Dom has died. And during Dominic's autopsy, they find Karen's crucifix in his mouth, which kind of eliminates Alice as the suspect. Right. I mean, for a multitude of reasons, because, you, you know, come on already. She didn't kill anybody. Um, so they grab Catherine from the institution, Father Tom. Uh, they grab Alice from the institution, Father Tom and her mother. Uh, this poor kid is now down to just her and the mom, Mike. Uh, yeah, she's lost yeah. her sister. She's lost her father. Uh, Tridani then goes into the apartment building and kills Mr. Alfonso. Um, you know, but not not before Alice, of course, has played a Oh, again, Alice is sketch as hell, though. Let's be honest here. She's a bit sketch. She puts a jar of cockroaches on him while he's sleeping, like, you know, that, that she's been hiding down in the basement. That, that so was like, like the most, that was like such a, a creepy moment, man. Because like oh, I, yeah, I yeah. used to have roaches like that in my apartment at Greenpoint, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, wow. Dude, they would, they would show up every summer, man. Oof. Crawl out of the drains and stuff like that. Brutal, brutal shit. Um, so yeah, he wakes up screaming, and, and and Tridani is in the staircase, and she he opens the door, and she fucking you know, she knifes him up, um, and she she runs out of there. Uh, the thing is, one of the detectives sees Tridani running out of there without a mask on, so they all know what the fuck is going on at this point. Right? At this stage, yeah, they 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 know who the killer is. Yeah. Uh. She runs to the church, Tridani, where the police are stationed. Um, and there's like a mass going on, of course. And she manages to fucking kill Father Tom because he denies giving her communion because they're they're trying to, you know, they're trying to like fucking arrest her finally, you know what I'm saying? She stabs him right in the throat as the cops rush in and he bleeds to death. And you know, there's all this commotion. Like, the movie's pretty much at its very end at this point. But, of course, we cut to Alice, you know, walking down, the, like, the you know, the main aisle of the church, headed towards the front of the church, whatever, in the midst of all this commotion. And she has the Tr Tridani's bloody knife, and she puts it in a shopping bag. Like, it's like a keepsake. So it's like, yeah, there's definitely something up with Alice. Did she kill anybody? No. Is she... Seemingly not bothered by any of these murders. Yes. Right? She's definitely deranged, man. Like, the, I, And once again, you know, going back to the dissolution of the family, maybe like the divorce, like not having her father around. Like, you know, right. the, the family falling apart. She's like, you know, 12 years old. Uh, you know, it, it's manifesting in, with her as being this kind of detached, like sociopath, you know? Because she has like... <laughs> These tendencies, man, you know, she's like, you know, torturing her sister, you know, she's like uh, being kind of a temptress, too, with Mr. Mm -hmm. Mr. Alfonso. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like a little of a uh, tempting him somewhat, you know, teasing him constantly, you know, and, and she it's, must know that he's a, a friggin' pedophile, you know, like she must sense this. Right. Wrong yeah. With him. Weird. Um, interesting. It a lot of people could view this as basically an anti-Catholic movie to a degree. Um, you know, 
there's an interesting comment. Sheila O'Malley from Film Comment. From one scene to the next, religious icon- iconography overwhelms the screen. Paintings of Mary and Christ, marble statues, crosses on every wall, religion leering at the characters from behind. Uh, parishioners kneel at the altar, pushing out fat tongues for communion, looking like a parade of aggressive Rolling Stones logos. Religion is not a refuge in Alice, sweet Alice. It is a rejection of the body itself, but the body, its tongues, its teeth, its menstruation will not be denied. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this is a fairly anti-Catholic movie, but I don't know. I mean, is it or is it just that? I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've seen other movies that I would say, yeah, it's, it's pretty anti-religion or anti-Catholic. I mean, this movie, is it just a thriller draped in Catholicism? but with all of its negative aspects. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's um, the Catholicism adds like a very good backdrop for this film. And it's definitely part of the narrative because, you know, Mrs. Tredoni is a, zeal- a zealot in some ways, you know, she's very, she's overly Catholic and that informs like a lot of her motive, her motivation for doing all this stuff has to be all the, you know, these, you and your whore wife and you know, you can't in the eyes of God, you know, you're, you can't get divorced, like all this stuff, you know what I mean? Commun- yeah. Around yeah. communion, around all these rituals that are part of the Catholic religion, you know, and all these ideologies. And that's what drives her to become a murderer, you know? Mm. And, and also um, with the, with the knife, you know, the, the Roman Catholic religion, you know, the cross, it's like a fucking murder weapon, you know, if you mm-hmm. think about it, you know, it's a torture device that they use to hang criminals on, you know, mm-hmm. so this knife is a weapon, you know, it's a murder weapon, it's got, you know, it's got blood on it, you know, and that's the body of, when you take communion, it's the blood and the body of Christ, you know, so blood and for 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 they, when she was saying that that denies the body, mm-hmm. the Catholic religion is is very visceral, man. It's very right. like sensual oh, in a yeah. lot of ways, you know. I you agree. Know, you got you got Jesus Christ on the cross. He's got like a nice, you know, he's like a swimmer's body. You know, he's like ripped. You got this mm-hmm. like ripped young man hanging on the cross. You know what I mean? It's like no, that's true. I mean, that was their interpretation of him. You know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, Instead and, of uh, a very darker-skinned man. Well, which yeah, mo- most really likely he would be a Middle Eastern guy, you know. Yeah, he's definitely all, Middle Eastern. It's yeah. all in, you know, in the middle, basically the Middle East, you know. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, for, for a religion that, that wants you to, uh, you know, be devout and, and very moral, it's almost like the religion itself is, is tempting you with all these, like, sensual idea, you know, sensual things, you know, these, like, icons, you know, wow. blood and flesh and all this stuff, you know? You know, it's funny. I mentioned earlier at the start of the show, folks, that this movie has two names. Well, the movie had four names, uh, oddly enough. It premiered with the title Communion at the Chicago Film Festival in 1976. Uh, and even a book tie-in came out, which I've looked up on oh, eBay, wow. Communion by author Frank Loria, uh, which came out uh, in 1977, Bantam Books. Um, however, North American distribution, they changed it from communion to Alice, sweet Alice out of fear that the public would perceive it to be 
a Christian film. Uh, Allied artists revised Alice Sweet Alice originated from a, a quote in volume 16 of the publications of the Catholic Truth Society. Uh, the ad, which read, then there is Alice, sweet Alice, your eldest born who leans over the back of your chair and sweeps your face with her brown curls. So it came from some kind of religious tome. Huh. Uh, and then sure enough, uh, in some cities, like in Pensacola, Florida, it actually had the name The Mask Murders when it was screened uh, down in Florida. Uh, and then for the fourth and final time, uh, when this movie was released in 1981, it was called Holy Terror. So oh, it had four like, names. Uh, integrity. Uh... <laughs> yes, yes. So we have Communion, Alice, Sweet Alice, The Mask Murders in some cities, and in some places, Holy Terror. How about that? So just like an Italian movie, Mike, it has a whole bunch of names. Yeah. See? You know, not another tie in there. <laughs> you know. Another Italian knot. Accidental. Uh Roger Ebert liked this movie. How about that? He gave it a favorable viewing. Alfred Soul has a brilliant touch for the macabre, and there are some splendidly chilling scenes. Us magazine back in the day said it was a superior modern gothic thriller. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said. It it doesn't have a ton in common with our dress to kills and our cruisings and our body doubles or basic instincts. But what it does have in common with that is that it has the Italian kind of weird Italian vibe and heart to it, although being a truly American film, right? I don't even feel like it feels like an American film, honestly. Like I said, it feels, well, to me, it feels I like guess, so yeah. European, you know? Hmm. Well, I don't know. It, it, I, get, I get that, but I also could, one could argue that it's also very Northeast Italian 70s. Like, you know, no, yeah. American Italian 70s. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, New York, New Jersey vibes. No, I, I, I hear you, man. But, like, for me, like, I, I'm going, uh, like, you remember in the Beyond you know, mm -hmm. it was supposed to take place in Massachusetts. Uh, no, New Orleans. New, or New Orleans. New Orleans. Sorry tiny bits of it were shot there. Tiny pieces. Yeah. Yes. But it's like everyone in the film is is Italian, like it, like a European. Like it doesn't look like no yeah, one looks yeah. like they're from Louisiana. <laughs> no one in that. Film. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I, I almost I, feel like this is like that. It's like everyone looks hmm. European and acts European in this film, you know, and. I don't know. That, that's just my take on it. And it, to me, it does, doesn't feel like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the Italian American thing, but it also feels very European to me. Well, uh, Ed Gonzalez of slant magazine agreed with you. He said in 2005, possibly the closest American relation to an American, American Jalo. The film is head trippingly hilarious and features some of the more disquieting set pieces you'll see in a horror film. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people really like this movie and gave it very high marks. Um, indie horror director Dante Tomaselli, who was actually, I believe, a cousin uh, of Alfred Soule in 2007, intended to do a remake of this movie with the script by Michael Gingold, who I mentioned earlier, yeah, who used okay. to be for Fangoria. Um, however, by 2016, Tomaselli revealed that the film was delayed due to lack of funds, and I think it was just abandoned out of uh, financial reasons. Um, I don't. I could see. I could see decent remake out of this. What do you? What do you think? 
I, I kind of like it the way it is, man. It's, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, it could be cool, but like, why, why, why do that? You know, it's perfect. True. I think. True. 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 Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it goes without saying that, uh, director Alfred soul, uh, is no longer with us. He actually, uh, died about, let's see, November 15th, uh, this, uh, February 15th, 2022, just a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, this is his second film. Uh, it, it's worth noting that his first film is an adult feature, a porn film, 1972's Deep Sleep. Uh, our friends over at the Rialto Report did a great podcast and feature on Deep Sleep and the history and, well, how much trouble it landed uh, the late Alfred Solon, so much so that he almost went to prison. And so did almost all everyone who worked on the movie almost went to prison, apparently. Um, very interesting story about that, about how the, the movie kind of shook, shook New Jersey when it was released. And, you know, it, it was like a very big deal. Uh, he was only he was like a young man, I believe, in his 20s when he made that movie. Um, also, there's a documentary uh, online about the making of Deep Sleep that I also uh heard about only recently but i want to check it out mike yeah i mean you know it's funny we're talking about that how um man i kind of wish i was alive during the 70s i mean i was alive but like old enough to do (laughs) to do shit you know like living yeah yeah life in the 70s like i wish i was an adult during that period you know i know i was i mean i was born in, in 73 full disclosure um so you know while i was alive in the 70s i was not uh, I was not of age to do anything all that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, nothing that great. I, you know, I have uh, faint memories of, of actually, I do have faint memories of that Saturday night fever era and how it impacted my family at family parties, how big the Saturday night fever soundtrack was and the Grease soundtrack. I have total memories of the impact of those movies. How about that? Yeah, but those I those know. were everywhere. They were like yeah. a very very you know heavy influence on stuff in the seventies. Like those are two big seventies mental cornerstones, and a third seventies mental cornerstone is the death of Elvis, because I was I was five, but I remember uh, my dad, like my dad, God rest his soul, was crying. I think that was the first, one of the only times I ever witnessed. Like it had, and I remember my mom crying. Like I just remember the day. I don't know how I remember it, but I remember it. You know, ever have just these things from a very early age that you just you know you remember? That's one of them. Absolutely, man. There's like the Mm -hmm. weirdest stuff that pops into your head that you have these very vivid memories of things that happened so long ago. Yeah. So. Other than that, that that's about all I remember from the 70s. I'm more of an 80s kid. <laughs> well, but, I've said this before. One of my earliest memories of, of watching a film was The Exorcist with my parents at a drive. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That is kind of awesome. <laughs> mm. um, but listeners, this is a great fucking movie. Um, if you have not seen it, you should see it. Uh, again, you know, if, if you're of the, the buying variety, you can get the really nice uh, Blu-ray from Arrow. 
Uh, how did you view it, Mike? You can rent it off of uh, off of Prime, but I, mm-hmm. I I actually also have a hard copy. I don't have the Arrow version that you have. That nice one, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's on Prime. Apparently, it's on Tubi uh, oh, for free. Okay. But again, I don't know if you're getting the real deal version on Tubi. I imagine you are. Um, but yeah, it is not on you know Netflix and it's not on Shutter. Uh, it's definitely worth the price of a rental if you're going to pay for the rental. Hundred percent, I'll say that. Yeah. yeah um, totally. And out of our scale of one to five on Necromaniacs podcast, I give this a very solid four with a bullet. What about you, Mike? Coincidentally, I give it a strong four. Ah, okay. See, a lot of times Mike and I kind of nail it right on the head at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, the, I, you know, this is this is one of the, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a film that I would use as an example to illustrate a certain type of film. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I hold this film in high regard. I've seen some people online say it is the best American Jow. I don't think it's the best American Jow. I think it's it's one of. I'm, I'll put it as one of the of the best. I don't think it's the best one. Uh, maybe that's just personal taste, but think, it's up there. It's think, a th- it's a probably top five. I'll say that. I'm gonna say cruising is probably the best American Giallo. Mm. See, I'm I'm almost of the mind to say Dress to Kill is actually, but cruise. I, I on one day you might catch me saying it's cruising. On another day you might say Dress to Kill. It's it kind of changes. Uh, I even have Basic Instinct in in like a top mental five probably honestly i really like that movie and i think it's just so like sleazy that people kind of forget how sleazy it is <laughs> that's the old michael like douglas and sharon, yeah, and sharon stone, stone. Right? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a that's that's a go-to man for that it uh, is a, it's it's a great 90s movie it's a it's a great american jowl great thriller you know i like that movie dude there's when you said dressed um basic instinct all i imagine it's just like the scene where Michael Douglas goes into the disco and he's wearing yes. that awful sweater with the V-neck. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, sweater sucks, man. <laughs> but he's Michael Douglas, so he's getting laid either way, bro. It's like 1992 Michael Douglas. You're going into the disco. You're, you're meeting chicks. It doesn't really matter. I don't know. Sweater or no sweater. You know? <laughs> he, was, uh, he was, you know, he was the man at that point. You know? Yeah, totally, man. He had a good run of being the man from like the mid 80s to like mid 90s. He was the man. That's a good run. He, that was kind of his genre is like that kind of sleazy, like crime, <laughs> you know, like that was that was kind of his thing. Right. Well, yes and no. I mean, romancing the stone. He's not sleazy, but he's a good leading man. Right. Um, You get to Wall Street. He's kind of sleazy, you know, Gek- like Gecko. It, yeah. it kind of changes. It, it, he, he was he's, I just think he was a great actor, man, you know great in a lot of cool movies like he, he would make movies better with his presence i would have to say no i'm definitely yeah. a fan i i'm just i'm just running through the films that i remember seeing him in and they're all they all have this kind of sleaze like element to it well, that's, no that's, i i could get that i yeah. could i could see that it's totally fine though <laughs> totally fine i back it you know i'm not a, I'm a problem with that and then he does falling down in 93 an amazing oh, yeah. amazing movie and you know I forget something else he did a little later on in the nineties that I liked, but yeah, definitely one of, one of my, one of my faves. Um, but yeah, folks, Alice, sweet Alice Patterson, New Jersey. 
any Patterson, New Jersey listeners, let us know if we, if we, uh, did right by the town. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I'm going to watch trouble every day tonight, man. After Yes. Yeah. Trouble every day. Listeners, a little subliminal messaging. Um, it's a pretty sick movie. It's definitely, it definitely belongs uh, with, with that crew that it's up there with, you know, the insides and the, and the martyrs and the, you know, frontier and it, it's in there, but it's a bit more, um, I don't know, shall I say it's, it's, it's in, in a lot of ways, not as OTT as those movies, but in its own way, it is, you know, definitely it's different. It's quieter. Yeah, it's quieter. It's a quieter yeah. movie. Yes. It's, uh, it features uh, Vince Gallo in that mm-hmm. with, with an awesome, this incredible mustache in that movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> New York City's own Vince Gallo. Yes. Speaking of which, a couple of movies I'm looking forward to, man. That There's a new movie that Gallo is in that looks really good. Oh, he hasn't done anything in ages. What is it? Ah, oh, fuck. Jeff, Jeff sent me the trailer, man. I, I just said that. Now I can't remember the name of it. But it's a movie that Vincent Gallo is in. Mm-hmm. That's like he plays like this. It's like it's a it's a horror thriller type film. Oh, okay. I just I'm looking up his IMDb now. Is it called Shut In? That's it. Yes. Ooh, Shut, okay. Shut in. Yeah. Okay. And he lo- uh-huh. he I saw the trailer and he looks he looks awesome. Like still that very intense like vibe that he has. Well, Rainy Quali is in it. I'm wondering. Is this Margaret Qualley from uh, what do you call it? Uh, her sister? Because it looks just like her. I think it might be. Yeah, she is. Uh, Margaret Qualley from what do you call it? Uh, oh my God, our favorite movie of 2019. I'm having such a brain fart right now. Tarantino. Once upon oh, time, yeah, time in Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. yeah. Pussycat. Once upon time in Hollywood. Yeah, she is. She's quite the looker, like her sister. This uh, this this actress. So yeah, I'll be seeing this movie. Yeah. Mm. And there's also Rainy that Quali. other one, X, that you sent me the trailer for. I'm looking forward to that one too. Yeah, uh, it's an A24 film. Ty West uh, directed it. It looks like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but they were shooting a porn movie instead of just you know out on the road. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I mean, it looks pretty wild. You it's know? got that fog hat song in it too, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, but it's got super old school OG Texas vibes. Didn't you get that vibe as well? A hundred percent. Yeah, from even like the house that they go to to like the the traveling and very Texas inspired. Hey, if if we're gonna see more movies that are inspired by that great movie, then I have no beef. You know, as long as the movies are good. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch this uh, shut in trailer after we're done tonight. Sounds interesting um yeah there's probably some other stuff i'm kind of brain farting on as far as like new horror but i will say i have jumped in on uh, archive 81 i watched the first uh two episodes and and i like it i will say this um it's not a show for dummies mike hill would you agree yeah yeah i mean there's a lot going on there there's a lot going on um you can't cash watch this show you can't Watch it with, oh, I'm going to do something else and put this on in the background. This is not the show for you if that's what you're going to do. Well, you need to pay attention to the show, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, you have to, it's dense, you know, and, um, dense. and uh, I'm going to say that the film is heavily Lovecraft inspired and similar to Lovecraft's fiction. 
it's dense. Okay. And you, and you have to pay attention. Well, two episodes in, to me, it's super, it's super Lovecrafty already to me. I mean, it's, you know, but it's also like, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes I feel like I, I throw this around when it might not be appropriate, but it's got a little X Files vibe. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought it did. Um, I mean, not a lot of shows do. So I feel like when I say that, I, I like to think it applies because I, I don't think many shows have that vibe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it seems, it seems like smart, smart horror to a degree. Just, you know, complicated. Complicated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a complex, there's a complexity to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I dig it so far. Uh, I, I will, I will let you know on my progress because I know you really liked it. Yeah, I did. I did. Real quick, before I forget, I want to shout out uh, Retta Evans on this because um, she actually reminded us that we should do this, uh, this film. Alice oh, awesome. Alice. Yeah, she was like, I'd like to hear you guys do it because I think we did mention this once before. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, she's like behind us, you know, behind me, cool. right, you know, kind of bringing this up again. So, yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, listeners, let us know what you thought of this episode, of course. Uh, please, if you're a brand new listener, if this is your first Necromaniacs, welcome aboard. Make sure you're subscribing so you're hitting every episode every Thursday, right, Mike? That's right. And, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and all those places. Yes, indeed. All right. We will see you all next time. Please be safe out there, everybody. Cheers. Take care, everyone. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>